You are now tuning in to the Bodybuilding Lifestyle Podcast, the number one source for unfiltered truth in bodybuilding with your host, Elon Muscular. This podcast is sponsored by Market Rex, web design and marketing automation for online coaches. If you're an online coach that is operating out of your Instagram DMs, a Google form on your link tree, or worse, a Gmail link in your bio, you're leaving a ton of money on the table. Maybe you have a website, but it kind of sucks and it's not integrated into a greater marketing strategy. Think about all the clients who would be interested in working with you, but haven't quite crossed the line of contacting you because you have not made the process smooth enough for them. At MarketRex, we create high converting websites, landing pages, lead magnets, and email marketing flows to help online coaches get more clients on autopilot so that you can focus on serving your clients and doing what you love. Head over to marketrex.co to book a free consultation call to learn more about how we can help scale your coaching business. What is up guys and welcome to episode 21 of the Bodybuilding Lifestyle Podcast. I'm here with Jace Stevens. Really excited to connect with this guy. When you think about a fitness influencer, you there's a chance that literally an image of this exact guy pops into your head. I've watched I you know, I've been on Instagram for a long time and I've seen him on the explore page constantly recommended to me. Um, I, I watched YouTube videos where low key, I didn't even know that he was in the background or he was like somewhere over there. So this guy has been in the industry for a long time. He has a really great physique and I'm honored to have him on the podcast today because he told us that he's going to be completely uncensored, completely honest. And it's very rare that you have these fitness influencers, you know, who have tons of followers who've been around for a long time. You know, a lot of them will skirt the topic and they will pretend like they're natural or they just won't talk about it. So I'm, I feel lucky to be able to have a podcast where people are able to get in touch with me and we can get the real information. So you guys watching can get results like Jace and like the other uh, people on, that have been on the podcast before. So welcome to the podcast, Jace. Absolutely. Thanks, man. I'm uh, glad to be here. I've seen the work you've done. I saw obviously the Tony Huge episode. I'm like, man, he's got Tony Huge on the podcast. So must, be, must be something good here. And you've also got, I think, the best name in fitness, Elon Muscular. That's such a good name. I remember when I when I first read it, I was like, oh man, like I need to tell people about this. I told my business partner, he was like, oh, it's hilarious, man. So, and yeah, you know, we're just gonna be totally candid today. Um, like I said, I want to get into a little bit more of this uh, long form content, and this is a great way to do that. And I totally agree with what you're saying about, you know, people in the fitness industry and influencers, you know, people that are in like the mainstream light, they don't, you know, not that, okay, like some people might pretend like they're natural or they might say they're natural or whatever, and that's bullshit. But, um, you know, me, myself, I, I, it's not like I've shied away from, you know, admitting that I do certain things. When people talk to me on a one-to-one -one level, I'm totally straight up. Like if you see me in the gym and you're like, oh, like, bro, like, what are you taking this kind of shit? Like I'll, I'll shoot the shit with you hundred percent and I'll be totally honest. But the whole thing with me and my demographic, which is like very mainstream and uh, very gen pop and things like that. I don't want to be really putting information out there about the drugs themselves, even though we do use them. So it's like, it's not like I say I'm natural. I've never once on social media or anything ever even insisted that I was natural because realistically, if you saw me in person, right? Like it might not come across the screen and everything, but I'm six, three, and I've been as heavy as like 285. If you think somebody that big is natural, like you're just completely delusional anyway. So I kind of assume that people understand that I use certain things, but 
you know, I don't necessarily want to be that guy, like, you know, the Boston Lloyd or the whatever, to put that information out there, because that's not what my business is about. Like, that's something that I can help people with if they come to me, but that's not really like what my audience is geared towards. So I figure, you know what, like, leave it to the professionals, the guys that are like, you know, that's their thing. They really dive deep on it, because obviously I'm knowledgeable. I've been doing this for like 10 years. I know a lot about the stuff and a lot of the anecdotal stuff, but I'm never going to pretend to be like a science major or a chemistry guy, right? That's just not me. So yes, um, even though, you know, you won't really see me online going like, oh yeah, like uh, this is my stack and whatever, I will never hesitate away from if somebody messages me and they're like, man, what are you taking? Like, you know, we'll shoot the shit about that. So. Yeah. And I think that makes perfect sense. You know, before I launched Elon Muscular, uh, I wanted to well, obviously, you know, if if we are here talking to you guys and you're listening to us talking, it is because we have a business and we are trying to make money off of this stuff. Like this is not a charity project, you know what I mean? So yeah. the idea, <clears throat> the idea is, you know, we convince you guys that we know what we're talking about just through our own experiences, through the uh, client transformations that we have, through the information that we share, and you learn to trust us and then maybe trust us to coach you or buy our products or whatever that we're looking to do. So when you're looking to create a brand, you have to decide, am I going to uh, have my brand be catered towards this population or this population. And, you know, Jace and a lot of other guys have decided to cater towards a, a more general population market because that's where a lot of the money is realistically like there's not that much money in coaching, you know, broke bodybuilders who are spending their last no, pennies. Uh... No. And that's, that's <laughs> something that a lot of people make a mistake with. Like, you know, we train coaches. I have uh, several employees that are coaches and a lot of people like especially if they come from a background of like they're a competitor they want to coach competitors but what they don't realize is man like not to throw shade or anything but a lot of competitors are like shit scum like nobody has money everybody's broke like, you know <laughs> so it's like if you want to make money and you want longevity in what you're doing in terms of coaching i think a much better way is to go with gen pop right like obviously i do coach uh some competitors but most of my stuff, even me being a competitor back in the day, most like 99% of people that I work with now are uh, lifestyle, like quote unquote lifestyle people, right? Whether that be, um, to be honest, most of my demographic now is actually like very successful men, maybe like in their thirties to fifties that have maybe sacrificed their physiques in their later years because of business, right? These guys are like, you know, doctors, lawyers, dentists, those kind of things, very like high profile people. And I work with them and then I get them into the best shape of their lives. And you guys can see from my page, my business page, like these guys are all natural and they look like better than, you know, a lot of people on stage, especially like, you know, the men's physique look, but they're leaner, they're, you know, so we get results like that, but that's my main demographic. Yeah. And for, even for me, as somebody who is putting out, I put out information regarding, you know, diet training enhancements, everything open. And most of my clients are not taking steroids, you know what I mean? Or maybe want to do their first cycle and know that I'll be honest with them and, and point them in the right direction, or they have questions about SARMs or they have questions about TRT. Like most of the people that you get in touch with are not going to be like looking to take like multiple grams of steroids and, and get on the Olympia stage. Although it's interesting to talk to those guys you know like I had Kate Zook on the podcast telling us yeah. about all like the crazy stuff that they take but you know I've never taken anything like that Jace probably never took anything like that we would never recommend somebody do anything like that so it's just it's really more of a curiosity thing when it gets to the super high level but mm -hmm. I'm just trying to open the doors and paint the picture of like because people don't know what do you actually have to do and in order to look like you you know what I mean and that might 
cause them to hire you as a coach so they can get that personal information, but not everybody is going to have the money to hire a coach. And then if you do hire a coach, a lot of coaches will not uh, like kind of tell you the truth about what they did to get to their point. And then they'll just try to minimize things and just give you some cookie cutter yeah. thing too. Yeah. Uh, because people, people are trying to sell the dream and that's, that's the whole point, you know, where I'm at with my career and the level of success that I've had. There are a lot of people that I turn away from working with me. Right. So, you know, for me, it's not about I'm desperate to make money anymore. It's always been about, you know, honesty. And if somebody comes to me and they're like, man, like, I want to look like you, this and that, like, I'll be totally realistic. Like, buddy, like, listen, you're not going to look like me. Like I've been, you know, using drugs and doing you know, all this kind of stuff for how many years now? Like, you know, six, seven years now. So it's like, unless you want to do that and unless you have great genetics, you're not going to look like me, but it's not even about looking like me. It's about looking as be the better version of you, like the best version of you that you can look like. Right. But yeah, it's, it's all about honesty and um, yeah. Yeah. And especially for the influencer look, you know, we all have different genetics and um, you, you have that look kind of like, you know, six, three white guy, you know what I mean? Like you, you have this certain characteristics of the look of the ideal sort of physique that people want to aspire to be like, and then a guys will come up and not have those same genetics and be like, how can I look like you? Well, at some point, doesn't matter what drugs you take or what happens, it's just simply impossible. Like a lot of guys will ask me since I'm bald about hair loss and like, oh, did you go bald because of steroids? Did you go bald because of that? And what I try to explain to everybody is like, I would be bald no matter what. Like I'm just, everyone in my family's bald. They all go bald in their early twenties. So yes, did, did taking testosterone, you know, when I was 21, speed up my hair loss a hundred percent. Yes, it did. But sure. it's not that I'm bald because I take steroids or because of who I uh, am as an individual person and the actions that I chose to do. It's just it's just genetic. So that's going to define a lot of what you end up physically look like, looking like at the end of the day also. Yeah. So I want to get a little into your background, Jace. How did you even get started working out, you know, and how did you get into the fitness industry? For sure. So let's start from the very beginning, I guess. I, I was always interested. I think like most people, you know, you watch movies with Arnold Schwarzenegger and superheroes and action figures growing up, that kind of thing. You know, I think every like young guy, maybe back at least, you know, when I was a kid, the 90s and things like that. I don't know how people are being raised now or like what's, you know, what's even out there in terms of those kind of role models. But when I was growing up, like I think it was normal for men or for boys, young boys, things like that to want to be muscular. Right. It's like all your action figures, all your superheroes, they're all, you know, on the TV shows, they're all very muscular. So you know, even when I wasn't doing bodybuilding, when I had no idea about bodybuilding, I still have pictures when I was like, you know, 12, 13, and I asked my mom to get me dumbbells. And I had like these like stupid blue and white gloves with the cutoff fingers. And I was doing curls. Like I have pictures of that, right? Um, so I've always kind of been interested about like, you know, muscle and getting bigger, just because I think that's, you know, it's like a masculine thing. It's like what men were portrayed to be, you know, several years ago and things like that. And so I had always lifted weights, um, recreational, like, you know, like random stuff, um, a little bit more in terms of high school because there was a weight room in high school. So that's when I got into, maybe I was, you know, doing weights a couple times a week instead of just like random curls in my basement, things like that. And then, um, through high school, you know, played football, played rugby, uh, all the kind of sports. So there was training for that, but it was never, never, um, serious, like uh, bodybuilding training or anything like that. And it wasn't actually, I didn't get into bodybuilding or fitness at all until I was 21. So it was after high school. Um, I had somehow come across like 
you remember like Simply Shredded, like the website Simply Shredded? And, yeah. Like, you know, guys like that, like Greg Plitt, even Steve Cliff back in the day, things like that. Like those are like the OG fitness guys. And that's kind of how I first started to get into it. So I was like, man, like this is cool stuff. Like, you know, these guys are getting ripped. And like, that was my very like bare bones, you know, get into the fitness industry, kind of start even thinking about it. Right. So uh, I did a year at my local rec center, which is like a super like, you know, like, 60 70 80 year olds train there there's like a pool there's like a lap around the little gym there's no there's no free weight barbell it's all dumbbells and a smith machine so i did a full year there and then you know that was when i was uh 2021 and then i had some friends that you know were a little bit into fitness and i was like oh like you know these guys are into fitness so i'm starting to get into it so i'll connect with them and then next thing i know after that year of my gym membership uh came due i went to this other gym called excel fitness in pickering where i live and it was like actually like a hardcore like bodybuilding gym like dungeon like you know kind of like um uh, where like you know uh, ronnie and branch and all those guys used to train in uh, texas like just like you know beat up equipment like dirty whatever and that's where i, I really started to get like the bodybuilding like quote-unquote vibe and then at that point i was getting more into like you know reading the articles about you know simply shredded and um you know, guys like Steve Cook, who else, like, yeah, Greg Plitt back then was really big, like Kane Summit, obviously, um, you know, all, all those guys like that. So I started to get really into it. And the guys that were at that gym, my friends that I had gone there, they had already been starting to cycle and use drugs, right? So um, basically, that's how I got introduced to using testosterone and things like that. So I had only really like worked out um, maybe like a year and a half, two years of like actual like bodybuilding training like you know like five days a week you know like eating you know five six meals all that kind of stuff like actually researching about it that's when i actually first started uh getting into using things like testosterone and anabar like that was my first cycle testosterone and anabar right and then um basically that's how it started and then you know when you get into that um kind of lifestyle and get hooked into fitness you know how it is like you just like head first like everything you dive in you're like i love it this is like you know the best this is all you want to do all you want to do is work out and train like your first cycle you gain like 30 pounds you know you're just like this is the best thing ever so um yeah from there uh i went to more of like a standard like i don't know if they have what's called good life by where you are like the chain of gyms it's like an la fitness kind of thing um yeah so it's like chain gyms like big boss gym i went there and a buddy that i used to play rugby with in high school he had gone to australia and lived there for a year and he was into bodybuilding before i was right and we were good friends but he left for a year so like we were never really connecting when i got into bodybuilding and then he came back and i was like man this guy's fucking huge like he looks unreal like and he was like one of my good friends right so then we connected and we started training at this big box gym for a year and we were like you know what like at this point we were a little bit more well versed in the fitness we had you know watching all the different videos all the websites um, all that kind of stuff. So we knew about competing at this point because, you know, we'd looked at it and we'd seen these guys doing shows. We're like, man, this is like really cool stuff. So um, basically at that point, we were like, man, like we should do a show, right? So we pretty much just started uh, getting ready for a show. He actually worked with Lane Norton. And for my prep, I actually used Steve Cook's um, like, youtube series of videos on how he got ready for a competition <laughs> bro that's what i used to get like in like really good shape like i was like lean that was one of the like one of the obviously a lot smaller but it was like you know when you haven't been using drugs for a long time and you don't have that kind of like watered down look from like you know more heavier drug use and whatever and you're just so fresh and young i got so lean and just like following the super simple like steve cook youtube videos right like no coach no nothing this is before there was even really like 
you know, a lot of coaches, quote unquote, right? Like my buddy was working with Lane Norton. I was like, man, this is weird. Like this guy's a coach. Like this is what he does, you know? So, um, so that's how we got into it. And from there, um, you know, we did like a 12 week prep and the first show that we actually did or actually did was a WBFF. Uh, muscle model, right? So I don't know if you know, you know, WBFF? Yeah. So at, at, how old are you, Jace? At that point, I was 23. And how old are you now? 30. 30. Okay. So I'm, I'm 25. So yeah. uh, it's going to be 26 this year. So I came up on a lot of the same stuff that you came up on. Cool. Greg Plitt was my jam. Like Bro, Greg, OG, the best. Greg, he was, he was literally everything to me. I watch Greg Plitt every single day of those videos, like, you know, chest crusade and like, you know, whatever, like yeah. uh, back attack and all this stuff with the, with the rock music in the background. And yeah. I just was, I, I would watch them every day before I went to the gym every day before I went to college. And I remember reading about, you know, Sadiq Hadzdevic, uh yeah. diet, you know, uh, Ziz diet on Ziz. simply. Yeah, yeah. That was, that was the other one. Ziz bro. Like he was, <laughs> he was, yeah, he was like right at the start of it when we got into it. That was really big. Right. It's crazy. Yeah. So like, so I, I come from that, that same, that same sort of influences in terms of that's just what was out at that time. You know, when we were that age looking to get information, it was really all that stuff. And it's actually good though, I think, because they focused on the training and the diet a lot. And that's all you ever really heard about. You never really yeah. heard about the drugs. And so I, you know, I trained natural for a long time and just followed those advice and got good results. I didn't even think about steroids. And I remember me and my friend would always have a debate. Is Greg Plant natural? Because he would say that he was and then, but he looked great. But I think that he was honestly, I think like, he was man, like, you know, in, in person, like those guys, like on camera, it translates different. Like he wasn't really a big guy, like, to be honest, like, bro, if I stood next to Greg Plant, he would be tiny, like legitimately tiny next to me. Right. So it's all about uh, context and like how these people actually look in person. Right. Yeah, it's like when someone's like a really good model and they have the great genetics and their muscle insertions are just like perfect and everything like that, then a lot of those natural guys look like they're on steroids, but a lot of people start to equate being on steroids with just looking really good and people who are, there are tons of people who are on steroids who look like completely like shit, you know what I mean? Most people, most and, people. You don't see those guys if you're not in the industry, if you're not coaching people, if you're not talking to people, but people DM me, probably you 10 times more every day saying, Hey man, I've been taking test and trend, you know, 500 milligrams each. And they send you a picture and you're like, what? Like, that's all you've been doing is you obviously haven't been doing anything else in terms of, yeah. So, so it's fun that you come from that, that background. Yeah. So, so for your first uh, competition, what was the, uh, so you did the Steve Cook diet and stuff like that. What did the cycle look like? What is up, guys? And thank you so much for listening to the Bodybuilding Lifestyle Podcast. If you're interested in transforming your body and getting shredded this summer, I put together an awesome free 30-minute mini course called Shredded Secrets of Fitness Influencers that you can grab at elonmuscular.com or visit the link in the description of this podcast. This is real, raw, true information that you won't find anywhere else. Head over to elonmuscular.com slash shredded to check it out right now. Yeah, so, well, I wanna go back and touch on first, like when I first started getting uh, into using stuff, right? Like super uneducated. Um, you know what, looking back, I really wish that I would have spent more time natural, training natural without using stuff. Um, you know. The journey is what it is like i'm never gonna regret anything like that it's you know I've, I've come to where i am in life and uh you know not like it was the most optimal 
plan or way to go about it. Obviously, I think if I could go back, I would take more time training natural um, just for anybody out there. But uh, yeah, the first the first cycle I ever used was uh, test and Anivar. I think like 40 milligrams of Anivar and like 400 milligrams of test. And like, man, I grew like 30 pounds off that, like, like lean pounds, man, because I was uh, like, I've always been really tall and I've never been heavy. Like I've always been kind of not an ectomorph, but like an ectomezzo. So a little bit like, you know, I was 6'3 and 180 pounds. So that's not like very built, right? That's pretty skinny, right? Um, so yeah, like I went from what else? like probably, yeah, like probably around at that point, like 190 to like 220, like solid muscle just off of that one cycle, like, you know, very low everything, right? Um, but yeah. So yeah, my first show, obviously, that was uh, about two years after that point. And for the show, funny enough, I didn't even use test. I just used uh, Anivar and Winstrol and then a little bit of Clen at the end. That's it. And like, I'm talking like most of the time, like 40 milligrams. And then, you know, uh, of, of Anivar, maybe 60, 80 at the end. And then probably around six weeks out, you know, added in the Winstrol, started low and then, you know, taper up a little bit each week. And then I probably got to like, I was maybe doing like, 80 milligrams of Anivar and 80 milligrams of Winstrol and then a little bit of Clen on top of that, like, you know, like 50 MCGs. And that was all I took for the show, right? Did you, uh, so back then you would come off, like you would, you know, to do a cycle and then to stop and do nothing until your next thing? Or what, what did that strategy look like? Yeah, back then I had no idea, man. Like, and that's, that's the whole thing. That's what I'm telling you. I was taking the advice of like my gym bros, like these guys that I really like in hindsight didn't even really know that much. And I was just like so young and naive. They were like, oh man, you got to do this. I was like, whatever, like, let's let's do it. When I went over to his place and he jabbed me with the, the first needle. And I don't know if you remember when you did your first poke, but like myself and pretty much everyone I've ever like shown how to do it or seen do it for the first time, you get like, you go into shock. Like you get kind of like lightheaded and you're like, oh my God, you know what I mean? You feel kind of queasy. Just that first one, because it's so foreign. It's so weird. You know what I mean? After that, you're totally fine. But the first one, you kind of get a little bit like shock and you like get little cold sweats and a little nervous and stuff. So yeah, it's funny. Um, but in terms of, yeah, the testosterone, I had, bro, I had no idea what I was doing at the start when I was using these products. So I had actually, if I recollect uh, everything properly, I had done that first cycle and then I, I took hardly any time off. And then I did another one because I was like, man, I was so young. I was like, this is amazing. Like, this is great, whatever. Obviously didn't get uh, the greatest results off of the second one because it's like not like the first, right? Um, and then I just came off cold turkey, which was like, again, I didn't know, right? I didn't know about HCG. Um, I think I might've taken like Clomid at the time, but realistically I had been on for such a long period of time relative to like, you know, um, my experience using. And I came off and I had no idea about like being shut down. I had no idea what to expect and all that. And then that also, you know, threw me for a loop in terms of my test crashed. I was like depressed. I was having anxiety. It was like, oh, it's just crazy, man. It was brutal. Dude, I went through the same thing. And like, I always tell guys, you got to get a coach before you start, you know what I mean? So, 100%. so because like, I know, you know, some of you guys listening might be very excited to start or thinking about when you're going to start or something like that. And like, before you start, you need to know what the next year looks like. You can't just do a cycle, 
you can't just look at like, okay, I got my 10 weeks. I know, I know exactly what I'm doing. I got two vials of test. I got, you know, uh, all the aromasin that I might need. And I have my shit for my PCT. Like, and so I'm set, like, that's it. I'm good. I got everything I need. Like I read the Reddit guide, like I'm good to go, but <laughs> you're not like, you don't know what's going to happen. You need blood work. You need a plan for after you need a contingency plan. If your shit does not get back on track, which it might not. I went, I went through the same thing like you. I did a cycle afterwards, just come off cold turkey and I'm, or I took a little Clomid, but it felt like shit. So I stopped taking it same, or something. Same. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it makes you feel like depressed, especially when it's like your first time using it. Right. So, so now I don't want to get into too much on what you're doing now. We'll, we'll go back to your story, but nowadays yeah. you, you cruise, right. You don't, you don't uh, come off or PCT. Honestly, man, nowadays I've, uh, I've kind of just recently too, actually, I've kind of uh, left the delusions of like competitive bodybuilding behind now. And to be honest, I'm just so focused on work and the business and everything that um, I can't do what I need to do. And I'm not willing to invest, you know, the certain amount of time and then also take the health repercussions on top to get to the next level in terms of being a competitive pro bodybuilder. Right. So I'm really not willing to do that. So um basically what i do now is yeah i'll just like right now i'm just on 500 tests that's it and i'm just gonna i'm just gonna stay on this i'll go down to trt which will be about like about like 200 150 uh, a week and i'll just pretty much like chill here i've built this muscle over so long even though i've used drugs um to help get me to this spot but i was never like a heavy drug user you know what i mean like i always very minimal like very safe with what i was doing when i started to get educated um so i think the muscle mass that I've built, I will be able to maintain with just being on TRT, to be honest, like, because whenever I would come off cycle before, nothing would change in terms of my diet and my training and my lifestyle. And I would always retain muscle, I would never lose weight, I would never do any of that stuff. So I think it'll be very easy for me to, you know, retain my physique and uh, keep this amount of muscle with uh, doing minimal drugs. And, and that's what I plan to do. Because right now I'm 30. And uh, like I said, I'm more focused on a lot of things in my life, business relationships, just a lot going on. And I would rather, you know, uh, be healthy and just like focus on those things than try and be a shitty pro bodybuilder or pro physique or classic guy, you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, I think that's an incredible approach and definitely something I want to dig more into the mindset behind that, because, you know, that is what the bodybuilding lifestyle is all about. You know, that's why I wanted to get you on this podcast, because uh, I feel like the old school model was you take drugs until your head falls off and you either die or you go pro and make a living off of this and then you die. Those are the two options. And, and, and what's funny is that, you know, guys like us, we find Simply Shredded, we watch a Greg Plitt video, we love to work out. And before you know it, you're jabbing yourself full of everything under the sun. You don't know what's going on. You're getting ready for a competition. You're in your early 20s and things are still confusing. It's like, it's a disaster for a lot of guys. Totally. So I just want to provide a different path for guys and tell them like, you don't have to do it in such an extreme manner. You can love fitness and have a passion for it. You can work as a coach and help normal people get in better shape, make good money, make an honest living, doing what you love to do and not putting your health in danger and still use drugs whenever you want, whatever you want, but you have the control, not the WBFF or, or whatever, right? Yeah. So, so, okay, um, so back to your story, you did your competition. At that time, was your goal to become a pro bodybuilder and uh, the muscle model category was just some, and for those who don't know muscle model, it's kind of like 
classic nowadays it would be more like men's physique but back in the day it was like bigger than men's physique right yeah yeah i think like wbff is like very uh muscle model story in wbff is very relatable to classic physique right because it's trunks it's like short it's shorter trunks actually than the guys in classic physique used to wear right like now they've cut the, the trunks down they're a lot smaller but um back then even you know uh, years and years like six seven years ago wbff it was like small shorts like trunks like this so it was basically like bodybuilding but it wasn't like a full blast bodybuilding look because it was about you know being like a model right muscle model so they were good looking guys like you had to be good looking you had to have good skin you had to have good stage presence things like that so i think it was very relatable to um, what classic physique is and honestly my intentions with it like I was so new bro like so new in the industry and so fresh my intentions weren't even to, to turn pro I didn't have any delusions of I wanted to be pro I wanted status I was just so in love with the process of doing it like I said it was my first real competition prep and I was just so in love with the process of training itself um, I wasn't worried about you know social media and turning pro and any of that shit I was just doing it for the love of it really at the end of the day um, so at that time, it was, I think, probably around 2013, 14, right? Yeah, 13. Uh, so you were not even on social media. You were just prepping in your gym, basically. I, yeah, I had started um, Instagram in, it would have been 20, yeah, 2013. I started, I started, I think I started Instagram, like, right at the end of that prep. Because if you go back to like my initial photos on Instagram, there's a little bit of like the tail end of that prep and then that's it. So I started at like the end of that. And I, and you know, when you start it, you don't even understand what it is. Like Instagram back then was such a different thing than it is today, um, you know, for better or worse. But yeah, it was nothing about social media, nothing about that. It was just about like, man, like I love bodybuilding. Like I love competing. Like I, well, I didn't even know that I loved competing at the time, but after that show, I knew that I did, right? I just love the process of it training. It was for me, it was always just about being in the gym and training and like, you know, feeling good and like getting a pump and all that stuff. It was, there was never any kind of like ulterior motive with what I was doing. Right. It was pure. It's totally pure. That's awesome, man. So, so, um, when you did your first competition, how did you place and what did you think of after the competition was over? Well, so me and my buddy who did the prep together, we came first and second. He came first, I came second. It was a pretty close battle, but like we were the by far ahead of everyone else, right? So he actually did turn pro um, because that was a pro-am show and whoever won the amateur category got a pro card, right? So he actually got a pro card, um, I didn't. And I loved the whole experience. Like WBFF, like it doesn't have the same accolades or especially social media wise the same doesn't hold the same weight as being like an ifbb pro um but the competition itself like doing the shows itself the production value of the show the entertainment um you know you as an athlete the amount of time you get on stage all that kind of stuff amazing like i can't say you know more about it it's great it's a it's an amazing thing i really enjoyed it as soon as i got on stage man it's like you know, some people have stage fright, some people have this and that, man, it was like, it was so natural. I just loved it. Like I soaked it up. Like there's, I see pictures and videos of it and stuff. It's just like, it's, I didn't really even practice posing to be honest, like that much. We used to just like pose after we trained and stuff. We didn't really have a posing routine. It was just, you went out there and winged it and whatever, but I loved it so much that it was just such an enjoyable process. And uh, I can't say, you know, enough good things about the WBFF at that time, really. Yeah, I think they were doing a lot of really great marketing back then. I know Mike Thurston also comes from that WBFF sort of muscle model background. Yep. And I remember watching a lot of those Mike uh, early 
there was this YouTube channel that did like really nice, like promo videos for the guys that were like five, six minutes long. And I remember like AJ Shakuri, like, uh, yeah, I know AJ, he, he lives actually where I live. So he coached me at one point too, AJ, I've known him for ages. He used to be actually like a bodybuilder and then he went to muscle model in WBFF, but yeah, he actually lives where I do. Um, I've known him for a long time, man. So that's funny. He had an amazing physique, unbelievable, crazy, just like totally wacky physique, man. Yeah, I remember he uh, he had a video go viral on YouTube where he was talking about like the muscle model category and how it's yeah. like bigger than whatever. And I remember watching that video being like, wow, this is actually like the goal body for me. I think that this guy looks way better than, you know, Branch Warren, who is like being marketed to me in America, you know, and like that's who I saw at GNC and stuff like that. And I, and I really liked uh, AJ's look and a lot of those guys look also because they're good looking guys and stuff like that. So uh, when you're young, you know what I mean? You want to look good. You're like 18, 19. You're not necessarily looking at, at you know, those ugly, but no, no offense. But. Uh, yeah, of <laughs> no, but it's a much more mainstream and much more uh, like quote unquote attainable look, even, even though it's like when you understand the ins and outs of the industry and genetics and all that stuff after a few years, you understand that it's really not that attainable. Like these guys are genetic wonders in themselves, but for the main, like mainstream person looking at Jay Cutler versus like AJ or something, you, you're like, Oh, maybe I could actually do the AJ thing. Right. And not the Jay Cutler thing because the Jay Cutler thing is like, so over here, but you know, these guys look good and they're not like, they're not too crazy. They're not blown up like Ronnie or, you know, Jay, like I said, so it's kind of a more attainable look and yeah, that's why they did really well. So how did you, how, how did your life look at the time when you were, uh, you know, preparing for this competition? Because I know that preparing for a competition, you know, it could be very stressful. You're dieting, you're on drugs and stuff like that. So, you know, what was your actual income like? What was your like your job? Were you in college? Like, what did your life look like? Yeah. So honestly, man, when I think back about that contest prep and like what was going on in my life and what I was actually doing, um, to get in shape and do all these things, I honestly can't even really believe it because it was it was such a harder life than I would have ever wanted to do now, being a little bit more jaded with more money and stuff and whatever. But um, like I said, that first contest prep, I was so new to it and I was so in love with the process. I would do whatever it took. So basically what was going on at that time in my life, I had uh, started working for the railway, Canadian National Railway. So I was doing signals and communications, which is like, um, electrical work. It's, you know, half labor, half kind of like, uh, you know, brain work, like you're working with circuits and stuff like that. So it's like, you're like an electrician for the railway basically. But with that job, it paid, it paid pretty good. Like at the time uh, I was making, you probably start at like 25 an hour back then. And then you get up to like, you know, 35 an hour or whatever. So it's good money, pension benefits, all that stuff. You're in a union, right? So it's like a very protected work. Um, but yeah, at that time, working for CN, right, the job entailed that you had to travel for work, right? So I was constantly traveling for work all over Ontario. And like, I'm not talking just down the street, like I'm talking like, you know, 20 hours into the, the, the northern abyss of, of northern Ontario, like in places where there's only like, uh, you know, like Indian reservations and stuff like that. And like, you're going on tracks into places where there are no people like, you know, probably like, a thousand people have ever been there ever you know what i mean like very remote things so you're always i was always traveling um you know i would work cycles like maybe like it was either four days on and three days off or it was nine days on and five days off right so your extended stay staying out of hotels motels things like that um basically like living out of a suitcase and so 
I was doing and like I had kind of just started that job at that time too. So I didn't have seniority to be like, you know, I don't want to do this or whatever. I had to do it. Right. There was like, that was my life at the time. That was my income. I wasn't coaching anybody. I wasn't doing anything else. That was it. That was how I made money. So I was, you know, at the mercy of that job, but you know, I loved bodybuilding so much, man. Like it didn't matter. What I would do is I would just like uh, go to like Costco or go to the stores before I would go out on a hitch, like uh, out for work for the week or whatever. I'd pack up all my bags. I'd get in my truck. We'd go drive. We'd go to whatever hotel we were going to stay at. Right. I would try and make sure that they had like a mini fridge. I would, you know, call ahead, make sure they had a microwave. And if they didn't have a microwave, I would go and buy one and just like return it at the end of the four or five days or whatever. Um, you know, we cooked off of the back of our pickup trucks and stuff like that in like little mini barbecues. <laughs> we cooked in flat plate, uh, like um, flat iron plates, like inside the units, like on a, on a hot plate kind of thing, just like cooking up chicken breast and all that kind of stuff. Right. And uh, I just, I made it work, man. And, you know, we we're traveling constantly and um, I had to, I think that one of the hardest things was when you're traveling around Northern Ontario, it's not like there's like big box chain gyms everywhere. Like sometimes you might have to go to a YMCA. Like sometimes you might have to find like this like super random like place in a basement somewhere just to work out, right? And it's always like, um, you know, maybe the drop-in rate is really expensive. Maybe it's like, you know, like 10 bucks to go there once and you got to do that five days in a row and that's all you can do, right? So like that was, you know, what you just had to do at the time. But I, I prepped that whole contest prep did that, you know, cardio every day, all that kind of stuff, uh, trained every day um, while I was living out of hotels basically the whole time. That's crazy, man. I've never done anything like that for bodybuilding. I would probably get like, be like, fuck this. <laughs> and that's, and that's what I'm talking about. I think about that now. And I think about like the world we live in now and how people already complain about like, you know, just doing what it takes to get in shape, but they're not even, you know, they're, they're in their house. Like they don't, maybe they don't work a job, you know, and they're still complaining. It's like back then I loved it more than anything. Like you couldn't, there was nothing more that I wanted to do than cook my chicken breast on that hot plate in that hotel room. And then, you know, wake up at four in the morning, go work all day for like a 12 hour shift and then go to the gym after. Like I was so happy, bro. Like so happy. That's what I mean. Like when I talk about how pure it was that I just loved it for what I was doing because I was so like, I wasn't jaded by the industry or jaded by like how much I knew about everything by then. Right. It was all for the love of the game. That's awesome, man. That that's a beautiful story. And I think that, <laughs> that, that um, you know, that willpower that you built up during that time being willing to do all those things under those conditions when it's time to you know sit around being an online coach or whatever it's like it's it's a breeze after you've been through that kind of stuff and getting in shape under normal circumstances is much easier than getting in shape under those circumstances because the diet is the diet you know what i mean the diet's the same uh the the logistics is is what makes it easy like uh, when people talk about movie stars getting ready for a role, oh, incredible transformation. Well, it's a lot easier when someone's building, uh, bringing you your food on a silver platter every day and they're doing your shots of test for you and you have, you know, pharmaceutical growth hormone delivered in a refrigerator. It's a lot easier yeah. to get in shape than when you're in the northern steps of Ontario. Right? Yeah, for sure, man. Like, it's, it's not like those guys are even like doing the calculations of their macros or what to eat or whatever. They're just eating whatever they get bring to them. And, and that's what I'm saying about like, you know, later, later years in my life, like when I would, you know, compete and do shows and whatever. I remember like at times where I was like had a better lifestyle and I wasn't on the road anymore because I did certain things with my life. And, uh, you know, you're like, you're like, fuck, man, like this is hard. Like I'm doing like an hour of cardio, this and that. And then I just remember back to like what I used to do and how much I used to love. And I'm like, man, I'm being a pussy. Like, what the fuck am I talking about? 
like you know and like that's why i hate when people complain about prep and this and that it's like listen like you don't have to do this nobody's forcing you to do this you're doing it for yourself so like you know why don't you just enjoy it and i think if it gets to that point in your life where it's like you know you you just like wake up every day and you're like fuck i gotta do cardio fuck i gotta train this and that like why are you even doing it really yeah i saw whenever i i I started to feel like that lately kind of because like you were saying bodybuilding can kind of get in the way of business a lot because you're eating a lot of carbohydrates you're constantly tired during the day you're training every single day and you're beat up you the training block when you first start you might train for an hour but then after you're so advanced you can't train without you know, taking all your pre-workouts and all your rituals and it becomes this fucking three hour process. So, you know, recently I've, tr- I've tried to really like dial it back and be like, what, what, what is really essential to maintaining my physique and what is just this extra stuff that I did before because I was so passionate about it that I can now cut out. Like maybe I don't even need to like take all these different, uh, you know, formulas pre and post workout. Maybe I can just jump into my workout reduce the volume, just get it over with. You know what I mean? And I feel like sometimes you need a phase like that. Whereas three months ago in the middle of my blast, I was, you know, full force doing all this stuff. So I think that it's good to go in phases. You know, sometimes if you feel like that you're getting sick of it and you're an advanced trainer who has the base built already, you can take a step back. Um, But I think the most important thing though, is that you don't completely quit for anyone listening. Like I had that issue where I completely stopped and that is when you're really going to take multiple, huge steps backwards. Mm-hmm. You, like there's a different, complete difference between paring it down to, you know, TRT and training even twice a week and eating kind of ish, as opposed to just fuck this, you know what I mean? And that's what guys like you never did. And that's what keeps you able to post on social media, keep, you know, yourself relevant as an influencer and still continue to grow your brand, even at times when you're not making the health sacrifices and the extreme lifestyle sacrifices of uh, being in a contest prep, right? Mm -hmm. So uh, the next thing I want to ask you is, how did you get to that point where you were like, okay, well, the Canadian railway, you know, it's great, but that's not necessarily what I want to be doing for the rest of my life. And then how did you begin to make that transition to even picturing a reality in which you make money online or uh, as a fitness, whatever? Yeah. So I worked for the railway. I worked for Canadian national railway for about four years. So when I did that contest prep, that was the first year that I worked there. Right. So I continued to work there um, a couple years after. I didn't start actually coaching people until I had competed that one year. And then, you know, I did another, comp- the next time I competed was in 2015. But so I, I took a few years um, before I even started coaching people. And when I did start coaching people, it was probably 2015, I think. And, you know, by coaching people, I don't mean like for money. I mean, like, coaching whoever that I could coach friends, uh, you know, people on Instagram that would reach out to me, right? Because that's really how you have to build your coaching business. Like at the start, man, you might have to work for people for free, just to figure out actually how to be a coach. Like, how do you even do this, right? You can't just, you know, start demanding a bunch of money for things that you don't have any experience doing, right? So I took a few years um, after I competed that first time. And, you know, really dove into the industry and you know was learning a lot and before i even started to work with people right so that was about 2015 um and then you know after i started working with people and getting good results like for people for free and with friends and stuff like that i was like oh man like you know i'm getting good results from people whatever like maybe i can charge some money for this so you know you start very low you start like 
I probably charged like, I don't even know, like a hundred bucks or like 150 bucks a month or something to coach people at the very start. And, um, so, you know, then you start coaching people for money and, you know, I was like, okay, like maybe like this is like my side hustle while I was working for the railway. So I started doing that and I actually got like quite a few clients right at the start. So I was like, man, like I'm getting kind of busy. Like this is pretty good. Um, you know, obviously I have a good skill set when it uh, comes to communicating with people. Right. And I think that's really one thing about online coaching that makes you a good coach and an online coach is your communication skills. Right. Um, how you communicate with people, how you understand people. Right. So, so anyway, I was working for the railway still. Um, I was coaching a bunch more people and it was basically getting to the point where I was like, man, like, you know, this is great money with the railway and everything, but you know, maybe there could be a future here in terms of training people and coaching people, but I don't have the time to do that because, you know, I might be driving five, six, seven hours twice a week just to get to work, not even to work the hours that I have to work. Right. So I was very limited on time. And, you know, I was like, at this point I was like, man, I want to train people in person too. Right. So I was like, man, there's very hard to do all of this at once. So the first step that I took was I actually left CN and went to work for another railway, but the railway was situated downtown Toronto, right where I live now. So it was the same job, but you didn't travel for work. You could go to the same place every day and whatever. So that was my first transition. And that was, that was um, four years of working at CN and basically like four years after I really got into like the fitness industry kind of thing, right? Um, so that gave me a lot of freedom in terms of time to actually start training more people, to start coaching more people, um, everything like that. And then from there, obviously I had more time to put into content and, you know, being the social media guy and whatever. So my business just grew and grew and grew, right? You get good results, you post your results, you get more clients, things like that. So the business just continued to really to grow and flourish over the years. Right. And, um, the next railway that I worked for TTR, I worked there for another like three years. Right. And in, um, I think it was 2018, uh, um, I joined forces and joined a company called Hammer Fitness, which is a very popular coaching company um, around the world, but especially like where I live here in Toronto. Um, very well known. Hammer Camera is my uh, my business partner now, but you know he was uh, my boss at the time that hired me to be a coach for him. Right? He had actually coached me in previous years and everything like that, and you know it got to the point where he saw the potential in me for you know I had established a basis myself as a coach. I had a lot of clients, I had a good reputation, and then he finally um, took me on. Uh, to be a coach with him and then after i joined forces with him and started working with him then the business really took off man like the last couple years of coaching in my business have been just like tenfold what i used to do right so i joined forces with him in 2018 and then i think six months after that was when i fully quit the nine to five life like that's when i fully stepped out right and um it just got to that point because I was, so I was doing the railway job at the very end. I was doing online coaching, maybe working with like, maybe like 30, 40 people at the time. And then I was doing personal training too, like after working on weekends. So I was like round the clock, nonstop coaching, training, work, all this. And I was just like, I got to a point where I was like, man, like, what am I really doing this job for if that's not what I want to do it's like how much money do I really need like you know it was a great paying job like at that job I was making probably like 80 90k a year and pension and benefits and all this stuff right like when you tell that to normal people they're like man like why would you ever leave a job like that like like that's that's like a goal like life job for like some people right so to leave um 
to give that up was like a big step, right? Like I had, I had talked about doing it, like, you know, probably like even years before this, I was like, man, I'm not going to do this forever. Like I'm going to leave sooner or later, you know? And then, um, it just got to that point where I was so busy and it was like, it was, it was taking away the railway job was taking away from the growth that I could be having in that other area of life, which was like coaching and training people. Right. So that's when I finally made the decision to like, give that up. Right. So I finally put in my two weeks and I'm like, man, see you later. That's like, you know, almost a hundred grand a year gone (laughs) and you got to take the leap, man, and believe in yourself and believe in what you're doing and your life. And uh, yeah, that's, that's how we got to that point. Did you like the job like, or did you, were you dreading coming into work or did you enjoy the job? No, I didn't. So I didn't hate it. Um, I always grew up. So like my first career that I ever did was carpentry. I was, uh, I was a carpenter and I used to build uh, custom houses and I did a whole advanced carpentry, like, uh, apprenticeship, um, before I even got in working with the railway. So I grew up like with like a great worth work ethic in terms of like doing like labor. Right. So I like, I like labor. Like I like the job. I like to work. Like I've always been a worker. Even when I do this, like I still love work. Like we buy and sell gym equipment here sometimes. And I just love it. Like I'm just going to like pick up this equipment, put it in the truck. It's like, I love simple things like that still at the end of the day. So I didn't hate what I was doing for work at the railway. Right. Um, I didn't love it. It wasn't a passion. It wasn't like, it wasn't like, oh man, like I grew up wanting to do this stuff, but I didn't hate it. I didn't hate it. And I had, I had good employees that I worked with, um, uh, good coworkers that I worked with that made it more enjoyable, but I didn't hate it, but I didn't love it either. And it was at the end of the day, taking away from really what I wanted to do and where I wanted to be now. Right. Because if I was still working that job, I couldn't be where I am now. Like there's no chance, like no chance in hell. Really appreciate you tuning into this episode of the bodybuilding lifestyle podcast. I wanted to take this chance to tell you about my one-on-one coaching program, Physique Mastery Coaching. If you ever wanted to work with me directly, this is the best way to do it. We have coaching plans for all income levels starting from $99 a month, as well as one-off calls where I create a lesson plan custom tailored to your unique situation. We talk a lot about hardcore performance enhancing drugs on this podcast, as well as advanced diet and training principles. Don't waste your precious time, energy, or health learning how to implement all this on your own. Get in touch with me and I will guide you on a straight path to your physique goals. Check out elonmuscular.com to book a free physique mastery consultation call with me. I think that your journey is a very honest, you know, that you built up, you built up your business in a very honest and like, I guess like a humble way, like you, you tried to make sure that everybody was good. You're taking care of people, even for free, you're building up your skill set. never wanted to charge more than you felt like you were worth still working hard at your nine to five, you know, grinding it out, like kind of self-sacrifice in a way, like obviously you're making money from all this stuff, but being like, how can I give back first? And then build up a reputation where maybe someday down the line, I can reap what I sow. Is that how you felt about it? Of course, man. I was raised uh, very well by my mother. Uh, I was raised by a single mother for quite a few years until my stepdad came into my life. So I was raised right, you know, and I always, like I said, had that good work ethic, a very simple life. I come from very humble beginnings. We didn't have a lot of money. Like, you know, I wasn't poor and whatever, but I also like, you know, my parents didn't give me a car. They didn't pay for anything. They didn't get me a cell phone. They didn't pay. They like, you know, I had to work. I had to work. I was a, uh, I was a cart boy, like, you know, at the grocery store with the guys that collect the carts. I did that when I was 13. I was a cashier when I was 14. Uh, I worked at restaurants. I did all the stuff, man. I always had a job. My whole life, I've always had a job. I've always worked. So very humble beginnings. And, you know, I think 
character and your morals and thing is a big is a big thing too growing up and and yeah i would like man i would never wrong anyone like i care i care about people so much and i think that's what makes me a good coach too is you know it's all about the service that you provide people right so like yeah when i was coming up it was never about money like nothing i've ever done is always about money it's never been about money right like i've always been able to make good money but i think that's more a re reflection of the service that i'm providing and the work that i'm doing but it's never about the money it's always about you know the service like what you're giving back to people and just you know wanting to do good work because anything i did just like you know being um a cashier or whatever i wanted to be the best cashier i remember i was like man i can i see a whole uh, like load full of uh, groceries coming through. I'm like, man, I'm going to bag these up so fast. Like I was like, I had myself on being like the best bagger. Like I was checking people through, like my line was just flying. I loved it. Right. So that's how I've always been. And so it's always been about the service I provide and the work that I do um, and not about the money. Right. Yeah. And I, I really like, I like and appreciate people like that. I, co I come from the same background as you single mom, you know, um, never, never knew my dad until my, until my stepdad came into the picture. When my stepdad came into the picture, our financial situation got, got better, but, uh, but it wasn't me. You know what I mean? Like I was already grown up, like I already was who I am. Right. Yeah. But for me, what I was taught is that, you know, you always have to hustle, find a way to, you know, if, even if you have to kind of like, if it's not necessarily a hundred percent, right. Then, it's okay, you know, because we are from where we're from, we might have to hustle sometimes and whatever. And I never liked that, like that, that, that kind of influence came more from my culture and my surroundings, like the people that I was around yeah. uh, and the Russian culture. I come from a Russian background and they're very okay. like skeevy sort of uh, culture, <laughs> to be honest. Yeah. Um, but my mom was always extremely honest, hardworking, you know, saved up, saved up hundred thousand dollars before she even knew how to invest in a stock or anything like that off 3k a month income but i always kind of like resented that like like that super honest work like there has to be an easier or better way you know what i mean like i don't want to pound my head against the wall for my entire life you know yeah, what course. i mean of course um, I, think, I think it's great that like you come up with that you know, um, very simple beginnings because it teaches you that work ethic and it gives you what you need to be successful later in life when you learn the actual skills to be, be able to make money, right? So it's like, you know, there's lots of people that maybe have the intellectual um, potential to make a lot of money in terms of like, you know, stocks and all that kind of stuff and, and whatever, just lots of different things that you can do in life, but they don't have the work ethic, so they never actually do it and they never get there, right? Yeah, and also like, what do you think about i'm curious what you think because because of the way that you built up this business and stuff like that what do you think about you know the fitness industry in general first of all is very much like shrouded in like lies mystery and scams so many scams you know what i mean like uh i think the big one of the biggest scams out, out right now is you know people selling SARMs with like affiliate codes and kind of like marketing that kind of stuff to people and 16 year old kids are taking basically steroids and shutting down their natural production because some guy on YouTube made a video about how great LGD is and some study where you put on muscle. Don't want to name any names, but that seems kind of like a scam to me. You know what I mean? For sure. It's definitely <laughs> a scam, man. It's that comes back to like not having morals really, to be honest, because like I could never do that. Like that's that's another thing coming back to like why I never really talked about, you know, uh, doing steroids and stuff on social media, because 
you know, I wasn't totally educated in it and I never would have wanted to like, you know, portray myself as someone who knew something that they didn't right. Or like make money off of that or whatever. So like, I don't want, you know, young kids taking stuff because I took stuff because, you know, like I said earlier in the podcast, I wish that I would have stayed natural for longer and learned more about what I was doing. Right. So yeah, like the, the fitness industry, there's, there's so much bullshit and so much scam artists and all that kind of stuff. But to be honest, like, even though I've been in the fitness industry for a long time and I'm well aware of all that stuff, I always really kept a very solid base in reality because, you know, I was working those other jobs and things like that. I never got hooked into any of that other bullshit, really. I was just like, you know, I'm just going to do good work for the people that I have and like keep a very simple lifestyle and not get hooked into even even like the local fitness stuff around here. Like Toronto's kind of a big hub. There's lots of like shows and lots of like, you know, schmoozing people and promoters and, you know, this and that. I was like, man, I was like, I never wanted to be in the drama. Like I never wanted any of that really. Yeah. And I think that there, I think that there is a way to get, you know, even about drugs to get good, honest uh, information out there. But I, I just, I, anybody who's out giving information about drugs, I think it's great. You know, like I had Tony huge on the podcast. Yeah. I might disagree with a lot of the things that he uh, says about the drugs, but I like him as a person because I do think that he is an honest person and he will tell you what he honestly thinks is going on. What I don't like, and I don't care if somebody wants to do it. I don't care. I'm just speaking out saying my own opinion. I just don't like people selling drugs. No, no. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, if you make your living by selling drugs online, I think that that is kind of like a scam in and of itself. I mean, it's kind of ironic because we do take these things, but I just, I wish that, you know, testosterone and stuff like that could be more legalized. And that's why I'm planning to move to Thailand where it's legal. And then I can yeah. do everything legally. I'm all about being legal, legit, everything legit. Uh, that's the ideal yeah. Uh, scenario. Yeah. It's a lot safer. And like, you know, think about it, like, you know, weed was illegal until not too long ago. And now everyone and their brother and their mother smokes weed and <laughs> weed is legal everywhere. So I think like, you know, these things are coming and, and even, you know, TRT and hormone replacement and things like that, that's very much more mainstream now than it's ever been. So I think, you know, the industry is progressing, but um, yeah, just like, you know, going back to touch on those like scam artists or like even just, yeah, just like selling shit. Like those people, man, like 99% of the people in the fitness industry come and go very fast, right? Like these people are not around a long time, right? Like even, even a lot of bodybuilders are not around a long time, right? Like, um, but it's the people that do things like that, that don't come from a place of good morals where like, they're not going to last in the industry like this. Like they, you might see them like selling SARMs like today and tomorrow they might be, you know, doing some other random shit, like totally not even on social media or whatever, like gone in a, in a flash. Right. So I think it's a big thing about like longevity in the industry and, you know, the fitness industry and um, making a good career and being successful is about having good morals because at the end of the day, like, you know, the word gets around, it's, it's a smaller industry than people think. And if you're out there shafting people and stealing from people and even just not treating people right, that's going to come back to you very soon. So you really want to make sure that you have a good reputation. That's very important. So what do you, what do you think about uh, on the coaching side? You know, there's a lot of get rich quick, you know, coaching sort of uh, stuff out there. You know, I had this girl a few episodes ago on the podcast, Hannah Chan, who is a business. Yeah. So, so, um, I like Hannah and I think that, you know, what she's saying in terms of, cause I tried to grill her down on, you know, just what I understand about business and her answers were all 
in line with what I learned working at a, you know, uh, an online marketing company and having that background and stuff like that. So I do think that she is legit. And if somebody were to hire her, I do believe she can help people make more money, but a lot of sure. people can't. So what do you think about that sort of coaching coaches uh, avenue? Um, honestly, I think it's good. Like I'm not super well-versed in terms of like the marketing and branding. Like I am to an extent, obviously I've built, you know, uh, seven figure business and everything like that. But um, I am not at the level where I would want to coach people to like for business coaching, right? Like, you know, the coaches that we have, we coach them on how to coach people like the X's and O's and how to be good coaches. And, you know, a lot of that stuff and branding and marketing and whatever. But I think, um, she actually seemed really good. Like I, I listened to the podcast, like a lot of what she's talking about is legit. Um, but I think like, I want to touch on like, there's a big difference between coaching, like what I do. And then like, you know, selling eBooks and selling things like that. Right. Like coaching itself at the level that I do it is a very, very hard thing to scale because it's a skill, right? Like, you know, there, there isn't another me, right? Like the service that you get working with me, you can't get that anywhere else. Right. It's not a product, right. It's a service. So scaling something that's a service and especially something as unique as being a coach and working with people on a day-to-day -day basis, an individual basis with these people is very, very hard to scale. So I think like her, the marketing stuff and the branding stuff is wicked. Like it's, it's very interesting. I love the podcast. I love listening to her. I, I guarantee that she can um, help people make money, but it's like, do you really need to go that much into like, you know, click funnels and branding and, and, and marketing and like email marketing and stuff like that. If you can only work with like 50 people, you know what I mean? Like you can't coach a thousand people. Like when, if you mean like legitimate coaching them, right? Like you can't be a good coach to a thousand people. Right. So it's like, do you really need those things in terms of like, you know, selling that i think that would work better for if you were selling more of like a product like an ebook or whatever right like an ebook is a product and that's totally cool if you do that too but in terms of coaching like this is all that i offer like we don't really sell like ebooks and stuff like that we don't sell like low level like i'll only do your diet it's it's full coaching it's full service because like i said i'm not interested in the money i don't do this necessarily for the money like i'm interested in getting the best results possible And when you look at my page and you look at the people that i work with and you see the way these people talk about things like we change their life right it's like these these aren't like photos where you look and you're like i don't know which one is the before and which one's yeah. right like when you look at the work that i do and that we do and that my company man the f up does like it's like it's astounding. Like, it's like, it's like game changing. Like people probably are on the internet, like, man, like this is bullshit. This can't be real. Like 12 weeks, like no way. Right. But so it's, it's a very, um, it's a very hard business to scale because it's such an individual thing. And it's like, you know, something where like, I might have a client where I talk to them once a week and they make crazy progress. But then I also have all these other clients where I talk to them almost every day. Right. It's like every individual person needs something completely different for, you know, each one of them. Right. So it's a, it's a hard thing to scale, but, um, but yeah, the coaching, the coaching, the coaches thing, I think that's cool. Like it's a, you know, if, if she's good, if she's good at it and it's uh you know, you're helping people make money because I think that's something that people struggle with too, is like how to get clients and things like that. Right. And I, I think that you never had the struggle of like, you know, how to get clients and how to get more clients yeah. because you took it because you, you spaced it out over such a long thing and your reputation came before you needed the money kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. It was, it, like I said, it's always been about the service and never about the money. I was never, I never had put myself in a situation where I was like, okay, well, like if I don't get 10 clients this month, 
I don't have any money and I'm broke. You know what I mean? I always did coaching and I always did bodybuilding, bodybuilding out of the love for it and the love of the results for these people and the love of the work that I was doing for these people. And that's why I've been so successful. Right. Yeah. So it's like, you're, you're, it's like, you're aware that it's a passion project and you treat it like a passion project as opposed to treating it like a business first. But I guess that transition now you're having to make that transition where it is your yeah. business first. Um, so I'm curious, kind of the man, the F up, I, I know that, you know, Amer is the one who started it and stuff. What does that mean? Like man, the F up, like what, what, what are you guys trying try to make a statement about like masculinity? Like what is the, yeah, exactly. Know? And that, and that's, that's what it's all about, man. It's about basically like bringing awareness to the stigma behind masculinity and men, right. You know, like it's basically creating a safe place for men to maybe be vulnerable and communicate and be emotional and talk about that. Like, you know, maybe we have problems, maybe we're struggling with mental health too. Right. Because all this stuff is, you know, very uh, like female focused about things growing up and, you know, men, it's like the way that in the nineties, eighties, nineties, even two thousands, whatever, like it was like, if you're a guy, it's like, you're not allowed to have anxiety. Like, why don't you just shut the fuck up? Like man up, you know what I mean? Like man up, bro. You know what, you know what I'm like saying? So, we made like man the F up because it's like, that's what people would think when they see man the F up, they think like, they probably would think like, Oh, like these guys are just a bunch of macho assholes, but it's the reverse of that. Right. It's the play on words to get you thinking. Right. And that's what our branding has always been about. If you look at our stuff, like we coach lifestyle clients, right. If it was, if it was like, man, the fuck up, like, you know, in, in that literal sense, like maybe it would be for competitors or something like that. Right. But it's, um, it's all about giving men, um, you know, the opportunity to like be vulnerable and express themselves and um, catering specifically to men, right? It's not like we actually have a sister company called Lady the F Up, right? They're like our counterpart and uh, we, we work with them too. They're another brand under our like umbrella of businesses, but uh, we're man the F Up only men we only work with men right and it's and it's lifestyle like not really competition so like it's a very um tight niche of people that we work with so it's very easy to brand like only for those people right and i think this is something that people need to realize when they're trying to be a coach or trying to um sell a service or something the the really the last thing you want to do is try and sell to everybody right because when you, when you try and sell and brand to everybody, you sell to no one, right? Because no one can connect with you, right? Like you don't need to work with everybody. This is what I'm saying. People are like, like, is it really that hard to get like, you know, 50 clients? Is it like, is it really hard to get like 20 clients? Like people, if you had 20 clients, you could make a great living off that, right? So it's like, you don't need to promote to the general population and all these people, men, women, old, young, competitor, lifestyle, like natural steroids. You don't need to do that. Like focus on one demographic of people um, with the, in, with the um, invention of the internet and social media and everything. There are a million people that fit in your niche. You have to close 0.001% of those people to have a great life and to make a great living. Right. So I think that's where people go wrong too. And that's why we started man the F up because we are branding and we are putting out content and we are giving back to those specific people. Right. So when you're coaching guys, you know, through man the F up, is it only physique coaching or like what aspect of, you know, developing yourself as a man and learning how to deal with anxiety, deal with mental health, you know, deal with issues surrounding masculinity that we all face, but maybe not want to talk about how does that go into the service itself? Yeah. So like I said before about like, you know, we're not a product, 
we're not like we don't sell diets we don't sell training programs we sell transformations right like you when people come to me and i do their intakes and i talk to them because i talk to everybody that comes to our company whether they're going to work with one of my other coaches or me i look at what their goal is right and i'm not i'm not trying to sell them on the coaching like they they're, they give me a goal they're like okay i want to look like this guy or i want to look like this by this you know at this time or whatever so i'm like okay man well that's going to take about 20 weeks something like that so like i'm going to give you a price for the 20 weeks because that is what you're committing to right so in terms of yeah like what you said the um you know the mental health and all that aspect a lot of our content you can see on our page when you go back we do touch about a lot of like mental health aspect we make a lot of posts like that so that we give awareness to people um we post things like that we make we make it kind of apparent that like we want people to communicate we want men to communicate right and going to the service itself like i said this is a very it's a high ticket service right we're not like it's like i say coaching but it's like a combination of like consulting coaching therapy like we're like your life coach right like it's not like okay you send us the pictures and we send you the macros and uh you go on your way right like we talk about things um if someone's having an issue like we talk about the issue right like the whole thing with like one of our coaches being your coach he's your guy right like he's there for you always even though you have a specific day that you do your check-ins on and whatever if you ever run into like if there's ever any issues if you ever have something come up or whatever there's there's no limit to the amount of communication that our coaches and clients have really right so like we're always there for our clients and that uh gives them a ton of value and then i think man what people have to realize is the delayed gratification and like the work that you have to put in to get your physique from shit to really good that teaches you and gives you the skills that you need to be very successful in a lot of areas of life right so it's not like it's not like we're sitting there and doing therapy sessions every day with people but just just the process of going through working with your coach and going through the transformation and getting to this point where you're like man i never thought i could look like this i never thought this was possible like in a million years like i don't know how the hell we did this gives people and gives men that confidence to just like take on the rest of their life and be successful in work and all these other things. And, you know, we get these messages all the time. It's like, man, like, you know, my business has never been better. Like, you know, I just, um, I just got accepted for this school or like, I just, you know, finished this or I was the top of my company for sales or whatever. And that's why all these guys go through this process. Right. And that's what it really ties back to. Like, we're not trying to sit there and give people therapy and stuff like that, but it's, the process of working with your coach and going through those steps of the transformation just makes you a better person in the end. And that's really like our um, statement is, you know, we always want to make sure that the person you are leaving our company was a lot better than the person you were when you first came here. And that's really what everything comes back to with our company. That's an, that's an awesome message. And I think that it is really interesting to me. And as you're talking, I'm thinking about, you know, a lot of things to do with like how to build a brand and my own brand. Right. And it's like, you know, when you're coaching someone, yeah, a lot of it in the industry these days, it's a new thing coaching, you know, and it's mostly these days, it's mostly X's and O's. Like you come to me, I run your shit through a macros calculator and I explain to you, okay, this is what the diet's going to look like. You know, you got to stick, stick to it. If you don't stick to it, it's obviously not going to work. If you have any issues with it or you're having trouble sticking to it, or you fall off of it, let me know so I can make the adjustments and stuff like that. But the difficult thing is the, you know, the framing of the journey itself and like what we are actually looking to embark on here, because I feel that for an, for a gen pop person, they need not only 
the X's and O's, but they also need a purpose of like why they're being fit. Like we know why, because we're just obsessed with it and we wake up yeah. every day thinking about it. We don't need someone to explain to us that, you know, you're going to grow as a person, blah, blah, blah. This is our internal, like we have a drive to do this regardless. Yeah. Um, and I think that's something that's really hard to understand and quantify and explain to others when you're someone who is so much further along kind of uh, in the path. Like there's a saying like, you know, a guy go, walks into AA and there's a guy who's 10 years sober and a guy who's 10 days sober. The guy who's 10 years sober that like, gives us the whole speech and the guy who is still drunk turns to the guy who's 10 days sober and he's like, man, how did you make it 10 days? You know, like he's yeah, yeah. not interested in 10 years. He doesn't even know what is 10 years at this yeah. point, you know? Yeah. Yeah. A, lot of a lot of times, man, people don't even know what's good for them anyway, to be honest with you. Like working with people and this is the whole thing too. I want to touch on, um, you, you need to be hard on people too. This is the whole thing. Like we live in such a, like a soft society now. Um, where there's like no repercussions of anything. And I think even a lot of these coaches too, like they come from a place of like insecurity with their income and stuff. So like, say your client comes in or whatever, and he doesn't follow his diet for the week or he doesn't do his cardio or whatever. They're like, oh, like, it's okay. Like, you know, because they just, they don't want to offend them or they don't want to piss them off because they want their money the next month. You know what I'm saying? Right. But that doesn't help people. That fucks them up more. That tells them that there's no repercussions in life and that it's okay to be a failure and not do what you're supposed to do, right? If somebody comes to me and, you know, says they didn't do this or that, and I know that there's no, like, you know, it's not like their dad died or it's not like, you know, they were at a funeral or their dog died or whatever, right? Like, there's obviously certain situations, but I'll be like, man, like, listen, like, what the fuck are we doing here? Like, do you want to do this or not? Like, the, uh, it's a prerequisite to coaching, to getting in shape, that you follow your diet and you do these things. Like, it's very simple. So like, either you can come back next week and tell me that you were hundred percent or you can fuck off because I don't want to work with you. Right. And that might be abrasive to some people. And that might be a little bit much to some people and they might freak out right away. They might be like, man, who the fuck does this guy think he is? This guy's a <laughs> fucking asshole. Like a oh, fuck this guy. I'm not going to work with this guy, but you know what? They'll sit with it for a few hours. They'll sit with it and they'll be like, you know what, man, I was being a pussy last week, you know? Like, like I didn't do that. Like I was being a bitch. Like I want to be here and I can't even do this. Like what's wrong with me. And then they'll come back and they'll apologize. You know what? You know, you know what I'm saying? Like they'll come back and they'll be like, man, like, you know, I needed you to be that hard on me. Like, thank you for being so hard on me. Like everyone is just telling me that I'm doing great and this and that. And you know, I'm just been stagnant in my life forever. Like you need people to be harder on you to push you to that next level. Like you might think, fuck this guy in the, in the moment that it's happening, but trust me, you like a couple uh, a couple hours a day a week down the line you're gonna be like you know what that motherfucker was right i was being a pussy and i could be better right and that's also what people need too because like i said a lot of the people that i work with are doctors lawyers surgeons very successful people the reason they didn't get in shape before was not because it's not because i'm telling them to eat this many carbs or this much protein or this it's because i'm telling them they're a fucking pussy and they're not doing the cardio that they're supposed to do and they've never been accountable to anybody in their life right and now they're accountable to me and they know that to get to where they need to go, they need to really step it up. And I'm the person to say that to them. And like, you know what? I'm okay with being hated or being that person in someone's life, even if they don't realize for like years down the road, because you know what? They're going to come back to me one day, three, four years later and be like, man, you know what? Like you taught me one of the most valuable lessons in life, right? That, you know, that is really interesting. And I think you, you know, you saying that, and it takes courage to even say that kind of stuff to people. And it's definitely something that I've struggled with, you know, in terms of 
Like I, I like the, the whole bodybuilding coaching thing for me, it's just something that I kind of like fell into because people started to ask me if I could coach them. And then I worked as a personal trainer in college and stuff. And then when I started to realize that I really did not like my job, although I was making good money and, and everything was good, but, um, especially with the coronavirus thing, I, you know, I had like kind of a, kind of like a bit of a mental health crisis when, when this first stuff all came down, not in the sense that I was going to like kill myself or anything, but I was just having an existential crisis about what I want to do with my life. And I thought like, I'm not going to sit quarantined in my house and work with the level of intensity that I've been working at in my job. And now they're laying off people, putting more responsibilities on me. I'm already overloaded. I need to find a way to make uh a living out of what I love to do. You know what I mean? So that became my goal. And then coaching became the kind of like, that's just what is popular right now and what people are buying right now. So I figured I'll do that. And now I'm going through that process. And as I start to get clients, I'm like thinking, how do I actually serve these guys? You know what I mean? And trying to learn more about how to best serve them. So first was the X's and O's, making sure that I'm like 100% sure that uh, if I give this guy this diet and this training and that I'm, that I'm locked in on that, you know what I mean? And, and that, but I already knew that I just needed to prove that to myself again. Um, but now, like, like you're saying, I'm coming up against a lot of this sort of stuff. Like people need this emotional support and this kind of coaching, you know what I mean? Like actual coaching, not just information. Yeah, and it's hard. It's really hard to push back on somebody and, and give them negative uh, feedback when they're the ones paying your bills, you know what I mean? And yeah. be like, uh, but, but it takes courage. And every time I've had the balls to do it so far, it's always actually ended up in better results from them and no one has gotten mad at me. So yeah, it pays off, man. And you know what? I was in the same situation too, because you know, I didn't, I, like I said, I've been doing this for a long time, many, many years. It's not like I learned these communication skills overnight, right? It's a process. And I'm not saying for people to go out and start being an asshole to their clients either, because, <laughs> you know, like it's, like I said, it's a skill. Like that's why coaching is such a hard thing to um, scale as a business because like, I can't just like replicate me, you know, like people want to work with me. I can only work with so many people. So it's a skill that you learn over time, how to communicate with different people. Right. And like, you know, I might have one guy where I can tell him to fuck himself and he loves that. And like, that's what he needs. And then I might have this other person where I know that I can't say that to them because they might legitimately go and do self-harm or something like that, you know? So you have to be very um, aware of like who you're talking to and the, the personalities that you're managing. But yeah, I had that problem too when I first started coaching people because like, even though I had money and whatever, I was still like, oh man, like I don't want to, I don't want to like, you know, make less money. Right. So I was like, fuck, like, you know, oh, it's okay. Like, you know, it's okay that you didn't do this cardio or it's okay that you didn't do that or whatever. And then it was only until I was extremely confident in what I was doing and my income wasn't, you know, like my life wasn't dependent on the income of uh, the coaching per se that I was like, you know what, man, like, you know, we're here to do one thing and that's get in shape and that's make you a better person. So like me lollygagging around and like telling you, like holding your hand and like, you know, patting you on the back and whatever, that's great, but that's not going to get you anywhere right? Like people need tough love. They need it. Yeah. And I think, you know, that's, that's man the F up, right? So when people come and yeah. sign up and then they don't want to man the F up and you tell them, listen, <laughs> you, what did you fucking sign up for here? You know what I mean? I know, I know. People, people, <laughs> message, people message me that all the time. They're like, oh, fuck. I think it's time to man the fuck up, man. I think it's time to man the F up. I'm like, oh my God. Fuck <laughs> All right. So, so now I want to get into the, you know, let's take the doors off and let, let's talk about drugs and all that shit, which is my favorite topic. So, um, 
all this self-help stuff and building a business and whatever. The only reason I'm doing any of this shit is so I could talk about drugs to people. Yeah. <laughs> so um, that's a joke, guys, I but <laughs> kind of true. Yeah. Um, so, you know, that, that that's how me and Tony Huge connected initially. We just talked about about drugs all day. So, yeah, I love to talk about that kind of stuff. All right. So. Um, all right. So you talked about your first cycle and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, and you were confused. You weren't sure the best enhancement strategy to go down. At what point did you actually get to a point of understanding how to enhance yourself where you started to actually get like good sustainable results being an enhanced athlete? And what did that process look like? Who taught you? How did you learn? Yeah, I think it was a culmination of just like different information sources online. Um, it's funny you say the Tony Huge thing because like I think I first the first time I ever found one of his videos was like before he ever blew up and it was like a DMP video I think it was like one of his like original like DMP or like clean videos or something like that and that's how I first found him because I was just like you know that's what I did I would scour the internet for anything that I could find on these topics anything like legitimate right I think um, you know a great source for a great resource for enhancement stuff too would be trained by JP right Jordan Peters he's great um, you know I've been following him before he was as big as he is now and their company is so great and I was on their membership site you know in the early days when there wasn't all those people and he was still putting out really good info so there's really good info there um, and then I think too just uh, hiring a coach as well right like hiring a coach that's a professional that coaches people that have maybe turned pro someone who's reputable um, you know someone who's not really like telling you okay you have to take drugs but listen like if you do want to take them like this is how we should do things right it's a culmination of all those things and then also just like experience um doing it myself too right i think a culmination of, of those things and you know there's lots of books you can get like the anabolic handbook um i know dave palumbo sells a lot of like he sells a couple books from different guys i think like bill llewellyn or something has a book on it so just like reading about stuff and um watching videos and YouTube and just, you know, being relentless in my pursuit for like, okay, like how do I actually do this stuff and like not fuck myself up. Right. So if you had to give your kind of enhancement tips for lifestyle, like, let's say that I come to you and I'm like, okay, Jace, like I want to look like you, uh, what do I need to take? Or like, let, let's say that, let's say that I am you. Right. Yeah. But I I'm not enhanced yet. So we're the genetics is outside of the picture. Right. Yeah. 18 year old Jace comes to talk to 30 year old Jace and he's like, okay, when I'm ready to enhance myself, let's say I'm 25, whatever, yep. what, what, what kind of path are you putting me on? What are the anabolics that you like to use? How do you like to cycle them in and out? How, how would you grow? How would you diet? Like, what do you do right now in terms of your strategy? Yeah. Well, obviously you have to start off with, you know, anabolics are like the cherry on top, right? Your training and your diet, your lifestyle, your recovery, all of that needs to be in play first, right? Like I would never, I would never have somebody start anabolics unless they worked with me and proved to me beforehand that they could follow the diet and they can do the training and that they actually love this too, right? Like when I have this conversation with people, because, you know, it is not a frequent conversation, but I do have a lot of young guys that come to me and they're like, man, like, you know, I want to do stuff for the first time and whatever. And I, you know, I sit them down and I'm like, listen, I can't tell you to make that decision, right? Like I can't be the one that, you know, pulls the plug on that or pulls the shoot or tells you to do it, right? That's a moral decision that you have to make. And like, here are the pros and the cons, right? You know, uh, 
I would say to anyone, like, if you're trying to be a competitive bodybuilder, okay, like, obviously, you have to start using shit, right? Um, if you don't know that, like, this is something that you want to do for at least, like, 10, 15 years or commit your life to, then I would say don't do it. Because as soon as you start going down that road, you know, some people are okay. Some people are totally fine. I know people that do cycles and they come off and they're like, man, I feel great. Like I've been off for like a year and I used to do trend and all this shit and I feel fine. My nuts work. I have kids like, you know, there's, <laughs> there's things like that, but then you have the one person that takes tests the first time or takes D ball and they're fucked for life. And you know, they have hair loss and acne and they can't get their dick hard. And they're just like, you know, that can put people into a tailspin of depression and anxiety. And even I've been there too, right? Like not knowing what I was doing coming off the first time I had a really bad breakup with um, not like a bad breakup, but like I, I got broken up with by the girl, like the first girl that I ever really had a relationship with and that I first really ever like care for per se. And she broke up with me. And then I came off cycled for the first time. And I didn't know about being low test and be that you can get depression and anxiety and all this shit. And for probably like four months, I was, man, it was bad, like really bad. Like the point where anxiety 24 seven, I was just like, how do I get out of this? Like, oh my, like I'm talking to my mom all the time about this shit. I'm like, mom, I feel horrible. I remember calling my mom when I was at work for the railway one time and uh, you know, out, out in like Northern Ontario somewhere and I was calling her, I was like, mom, I just, I feel so shit. Like, I just like, you know what I mean? Like just breaking down completely, right? And that's what can happen. And like these things happen, but um, that's the conversation that I have with people. Right. And I'm like, listen, this is something that if you want to do it, yes, we can do it safely. Uh, yes, there are things that we can do to get the most out of the, the least, which is what you should be doing. But you also have to understand, I can't guarantee that you're going to be okay. Right. If you start taking testosterone, you might have to take testosterone the rest of your life. Like, are you committed to doing a shot the rest of your life just because you want to do one cycle for the beach? Like, just because like, your buddy has abs and you think that you like want to have abs. You know what yeah. I mean? Taking like, steroids to have abs, right? Like what? <laughs> so dumb, man. Like look at these guys that I work with, like they're leaner. They're, some of these guys have been leaner than I've ever been in my life. Right? Like, you know, fat loss and, and body composition and being ripped has nothing to do with taking steroids. You don't need steroids to do it. Right. Um, so I, I just make sure that I walk people through that process first, make sure they understand all the pros and cons. Um, and so like, let's just go into it. Like say somebody was like, okay, yeah, like I want to do this. Like I want to commit my life to competing or, you know, and then uh, what I would do basically is like, obviously blood work first. You want to see where these people's base hormone levels are at. You want to see where is everything at when you're natural, when you haven't been using these drugs, when you're not stressed out, let's get these baselines down so that say you ever do want to come off. We know where we need to get you back to, to feel normal, like psychologically, physiologically, like your sex drive, all those kind of things. We know where we need to be and where you feel normal. Right. So like, let's, let's get that done first. Right. So make sure that you have a doctor that you can do blood work with, because, you know, we're going to want to do that probably a couple times a year, at least once or twice a year. Right. Um, and then from there, to start somebody okay like what are we actually going to use everyone obviously the base compound of any cycle of any bodybuilder whatever testosterone right and i think always the way that you should do things with drugs to have the longest career that you can have the most success that you can have and mitigate the most amount of negative health side effects is to always get the most from the least right if you take 400 milligrams of testosterone and you're growing you don't need to do any more. Why would you ever do any more? If you're putting on muscle and you're growing, it's, it's like the stupidest thing. And you hear these guys all the time, like young kids, whatever. Oh, I'm doing like a grandma fucking trend. I'm like, buddy, like 
a gram of trend are you fucking kidding me like i would fucking kill myself i would die like there's no way i can do it you know what i mean and then when you make that big jump and okay like you know your second cycle you're doing grams of compounds where can you go from there you can't go anywhere it's not like you could take five six seven eight nine ten grams of stuff like you can't just keep taking more it doesn't work like that right so you always want to get the most from the least so for a first cycle i would start somebody with probably 400 milligrams of testosterone right at that level of testosterone, in, in terms of taking like aromatase inhibitors like Arimidex or Aromacin or things like that, I, I might tend to like not have them take it right off the start and see if they if they even need it. Or I might start them very low. Like I'm talking like, you know, a half a milligram of Arimidex once a week or like um, 12.5 milligrams of Aromacin twice a week or something like that. Because Arimidex as a compound um, like lasts longer in your system. You don't need to take it as frequently. Aromacin is something that you need to take very frequently because of its half-life and stuff like that, right? So so like very, very small amount of aromatase inhibitor. And then yeah, start at 400 grams of testosterone. And from there, really gauge how they're gonna respond, right? Like if, if somebody, if you're doing blood work, and someone's in a natural test range and then you get them on 400 milligrams of testosterone and you know you do your blood work down the line again and their te- their testosterone is jacked up and whatever and you know they're doing all the things they need to do in terms of uh, training and diet and recovery and all that and maybe they're not really growing that much that's an indicator to me that this person is probably like not a very good responder to drugs so like i'll probably tell that person like listen man if you didn't get any growth off of your first cycle and like you know it's like legit stuff and whatever bodybuilding might not be the thing for you you know what i mean have you ever seen that actually happen because i've never seen that happen i've seen i've seen people like have like results that like weren't like astounding for a cycle like i've yeah i've I've put somebody on uh, 400 milligrams of test after being natural and like yeah they gained like 20 30 pounds but it's not like they like it's not like it was like my first cycle whatever right so i've seen people that aren't like the best responders per se but no i've I've never seen anyone like make zero progress off of a cycle especially their first cycle no yeah i've I've put like you know i've i mean i'm not gonna say i put i didn't prescribe anybody anything but (laughs) but uh like you know people i've uh been involved or known that people took, you know, even 250 milligrams of test guys who look like shit blow. I see sometimes blow up, but but it's only, it's only, I will only consult with anybody on that kind of stuff. If I'm also doing their training and diet. Oh, of course. course. So, so, but so assuming that, you know, the training and the diet are in place, I, I mean, you know, testosterone is, we have it in our body. So having more of it, I think would make anybody uh, look better in any sense of the word. Yeah, obviously not everyone's going to have bodybuilding potential. You know, it is what it, it is. What it is. Yep. Um, okay, so let's say that you do your first cycle, then where would you have somebody go from there? Would you recommend that someone try to come off first and see if their testosterone comes back? Or would you just, uh, I mean, I guess it depends uh, on their life situation too, right? Yeah, yeah, I think it depends. But honestly, I, I'm a fan of especially the first couple cycles actually coming off fully, doing a PCT, going back to like completely natural. Like it's it's for two reasons, right? One, because like what I'm saying about these people, they might be like a fad bodybuilder where like they do bodybuilding for like two years and they're like, all right, like this is not for me, whatever, right? And people get like that, like that, ha- that happens. Like I said, people come in and out of the fitness industry so often. So like they think they love it because it's like the thing now, but it's like, you know, there's a difference between, um, you know, say you get like really into like playing football and you're like, oh, this is amazing. Like I want to put my whole life into football. There's only so much damage you can do in a year or two of doing football. Whereas in bodybuilding, 
a year or two of bodybuilding with like drugs and chemistry and whatever, you could fuck yourself up big time. So it's like, you have to like make sure that you give people that barrier of entry of like fucking themselves up too. So yeah, I think definitely for the first few cycles, because in my opinion too, your first couple cycles, you probably should bounce back faster in terms of, you know, your natural hormones coming back. So I'm a fan of, you know, doing a PCT, which is going to be like, you know, um, Clomid, HCG, aromacin, maybe things like that. Um, and coming back off like uh, fully for at least maybe the duration that you did your first cycle um, and, and then reassess from there, really. Okay. So let's say that, you know, someone did that and they want to keep going. Right. And they, and they really want to get to that, like influencer sort of look like, you know, where you're not, you're obviously not natural, but you're obviously not a bodybuilder, but you look great in that in between, you know, that's, that's what I feel like most people want, like that muscle model look like kind of what we started off here talking about. So in order to get that sort of physique, what kind of dosages do you think that people should be realistically aiming for when it comes to their, you know, advanced cycles? Like what is the most that someone that's only looking to do men's physique or muscle models should take in an off season? Yeah. You know what? Like that's such a genetic and individual question because like, I'm sure that, you know, just as well as I know, there are, you know, it's not about like, um, there are men's physique guys that probably do just as much drugs as like some pro bodybuilders, like open pro bodybuilders. Right. So it's not about like, okay, your progress is in direct relation to the amount of drugs you do. Right. It's, it's really like, you always want to try and get the most from the least. And like, okay, say that you do a cycle of like, you know, 400 tests and then you go back to do your next cycle. And like, you start with 400 and you're like, man, I'm just really not growing. Okay. From there. Yeah. Maybe let's up it to like 550 or six or something like that. Right. So you're always trying to get the most from the least. Right. So that like, that's a very uh, person dependent question. Right. Because like some people, obviously some people like they look like they're on gear when they're natural. Right. So it's like, who's to say how much you need to take to get to a certain level. I think it's more so about, uh, putting in time, right. And maybe doing like multiple cycles of like, just like test, maybe like some Anavar here and there, um, things like that. Uh, right. Like I wouldn't really prescribe like, Oh, like to look like me, you have to take 750 tests and like, you know, uh, hundred milligrams of trend every other day and things like that. I don't think it really works like that. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree with you. I think that, you know, there's a lot of videos that try to um, pare it down and be like, you know, Ziz cycle this, you know what I mean? Like 500 trend, you know what I mean? Like that, that's his cycle, but it's obviously duration of use is obviously uh, just as important as how much you're willing to acutely use. Like, you know, you could take five grams for 10 weeks, but you won't, that's not going to be the same as somebody taking five grams for, you know, a hundred weeks. Obviously it gives you more time to, to grow with whatever uh, dosage that you're taking. Not, not saying that anybody ever needs to take five grams. I'm just saying as an example, but um, so I guess, I guess the, the question that, that, that I have next would be like, you know, you talk about test um, a lot, right? So it's like, it seems like there's two camps, like some people who use test as the primary anabolic muscle builder. So I'll bring the test up to this certain point before I introduce anything else. And then some other people who believe in keeping test as like a low baseline, just 250 or 150, and then adding other things on top of that, like Primabolin or Masteron or whatever. So these seem to be two strategies that are commonly spoken about. You sound like you're more on the increasing, like, would you increase the test first or is there a limit to the test that you would put? 
yeah for sure to a certain extent i think the test is like a good base to just make sure like your sexual function is okay um you feel you feel how you should and like if it should be a level a natural level of testosterone and then you know there's also you can look at it in the aspect of okay when i add these other drugs in like you know it's it it's like you know when you're when you're talking about like even like taking deca or something like that right like you don't want to take deca and no test or something like that right even though i know people do that but like for me um in my um understanding and like what i would think there i think there should always be a good base of testosterone and then again that's person dependent too because some people aromatize testosterone a lot and then maybe for those people you want to use other drugs like you said primo masteron even things like anivar things like that that don't really aromatize as much um so that they don't have a lot of water retention right so okay so but but for you personally though yeah. you you like to keep the testosterone five six hundred range yeah between probably between uh 500 and 750 right okay probably, probably between there i think that's a good that's a good thing i mean obviously like like take for example someone like my size to grow like i'm already like right now like 270 just on like 500 migs whatever for me to probably grow and get to a next level in terms of like a cycle that i would do i would probably go up to like a gram test and then you know have some other things on top of that but i think i think the testosterone dose is like very um relative to like the size of the person and how much muscle they carry. So like that's a base dose to just keep them at that point, right? When you're designing your cycles, you know, as somebody who primarily markets through Instagram, do you think like, how is this compound going to cosmetically affect my looks? Uh, if I need to make, you know, videos for TikTok or, you know, pictures for Instagram, does, does do you think about that? Uh, me personally, no, but just because I've always kind of been very, open with uh, my content and where i'm at like you can see lots of pictures on my instagram where i'm not in good shape right like like okay good shape relatively speaking some people look at that they're like man like i would just, i would pay to be like that and for me obviously like you know if you've ever been someone who's been like actually like five percent body fat and been completely shredded even if you're 10 percent, you think you're fat or you say you say that you're fat anyway you know what i mean like just being like <laughs> yeah that's the bodybuilder so yeah yeah you know like i post tons of stuff where i'm in the off season where i'm like you know 15 20 body fat maybe and have body hair and stuff but you know what like that content on my page actually does very well so like i don't really look at it as like oh i can't post this stuff because if i'm not in shape people won't work with me right but i do totally understand where you're coming from because i think that's what a lot of people do struggle with and even saying that um say I was like getting ready for a photo shoot or even when I used to compete, if I was in really good shape and I was posting like content of being ripped and whatever, for sure I was going to get more business like that for better or worse. That is how this world works and how social media works is like people will want to work with you because you look a certain way, not because you know what you're talking about, but because you look a certain way. And then hopefully, you know, that person, if they're selling coaching or whatever, they have good morals and a good character and they actually know what they're talking about and can help people. Right. But like, that's, that's like, like I said, for better or worse, that is one aspect of the industry too. So you, but you won't keep yourself in, cause I know a lot of guys try to keep themselves in that, you know, seven, no. 8% range all the time. No, you no. don't. You no, definitely not. I don't think honestly for me, um, after I started taking uh, gear and like, getting bigger and like you know getting up into like the 240 250 260 270 80 range um for me to be ripped it's it's like i can't maintain a ripped physique year round like it's not easy for me i'm not genetically like a shredded person right like genetically i can be at like 15 percent, and like you can see my abs i have a little bit of back fat and whatever and like i can maintain that eating as much food as i want 
And then for me to get down to like, you know, 8% where like, I'm pretty tight. My waist is tight. I look good abs. That also for me is not like too, too hard. Like it takes work and whatever, but for me to get like shredded, like beyond that, that's where I have to suffer, like really suffer. Like just, that's what I noticed with me for my body. Right. So it's pretty much unrealistic for me to stay that lean year round. And then also like, like I said, bodybuilding is also for myself, not my main concern really anymore. And I'm more concerned about doing the work that I'm doing for people in my business. And that means that, you know, I have to be fully fed. Like I can't be, I can't have like low carb, uh, brain fog all the time trying to like communicate with a hundred people a day and do all these business transactions. Right. So that's less important to me at the time. But I, I think a lot of people, especially younger people, like you're saying on TikTok and Instagram and things like that, I think they really do struggle with like, uh, this, like, identity crisis and like this like persona that they've created like that oh, i have to stay lean and they put all their self-worth on like if i don't have abs nobody's gonna like my shit and you know i'm just gonna be like so rattled about it right like so people do live like that too i do feel like that personally i do feel like that when it comes to posting on instagram when it comes to making a long form podcast like this obviously like i don't need to be shredded for this podcast yeah. i don't need i don't need to be shredded to like record a youtube video but when it comes to like posting pictures of yourself and it that's it that's all you're offering is just a picture of you and a caption yeah. i feel like as a you know just as somebody trying to give people that the value they came to to see me in my best shape you know what i mean so <laughs> uh, that's kind of how i feel like i want to i don't know i don't like taking pictures of myself when i'm not like at least you know 10 percent body fat so on this last bulk i kind of like blacked out in terms of pictures of myself i know it's not a good marketing strategy but a lot of bodybuilders do, you know, we, a lot of us get into this because we're insecure, you know what I mean? And we hold ourselves up to this extremely high standard in order to feel secure. Like yeah, I have I think, to, I think that's where I'm coming from too, is like, you know, I never did bodybuilding or I never did this out of a place of insecurity. It was out of a place of like pure joy and passion. And like, I just started lifting weights and I love lifting weights. And obviously, you know, there is a certain um, amount of like, you know, I want to look good and like not narcissism, but like, you know, it's, it's not narcissistic to want to look good either because like when you look good, you feel good and like you take care of yourself and all these things. But I think that's one thing about me that allows me to post content where like I can be like, you know, quote unquote out of shape and like not ripped and whatever and not really care about it. And people also find it like very relatable too, because like I'll provide context. They'll be like, you know, like, um, you know, finishing my off season or whatever, starting my prep soon or this or that. And like people really connect with that. And they love to see that too, because, you know, everyone does think like that. They're like, Oh, like this guy is only in shape and whatever. And like, people want to connect with you and that allows you to, you know, uh, connect with more people and get more sales anyway, because, you know, at the end of the day, it is yes about how you look, but like, if you, if you know that like, you're really good at what you do in coaching, like it's not only about how you look because like I provide such a good service to these people anyway. Right. Yeah, I think it's, you know, it comes with time invested in the industry and stuff like that. Like, like with me and with working in sales, like at first I thought that I had to, you know, be completely perfect and everything had to be perfect. I would listen back to my calls and make sure everything was perfect, the presentation. And then by the, you know, by the end of like me working in sales, where I was so confident in what I was doing, I could just like slobber onto a call and like close, you know, 10 K like whatever, you know what I mean? It's like not a big deal. Cause you, cause you're confident in what you're doing. Um, and, and I've gotten, to, I've gotten more confident with the podcast, with the YouTube videos, but the Instagram is still something that I'm trying to sort out in terms of uh, how I look. So this summer shred, hopefully I can impress 
you and, <laughs> and everybody. I'll be, uh, I'll, be, I'll be I'll be watching for those juicy thirst trap picks. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So the so um the last the last topics I want to touch on was uh, growth hormone. Yep. Uh, I ask everybody about growth hormone because it's something that not a lot of people talk about. And when I first found out about growth hormone, I was like holy shit, like this is a whole avenue of stuff that I've heard people mention it, but I never really actually considered taking it until like maybe last year. And then when I did get my hands on real pharmaceutical growth, it made a huge difference. And I was like, wow, this is like a lot of people have been taking this and getting really great results. And I just like, didn't know about it and couldn't afford, I probably couldn't have afforded it before anyway. So I didn't think about it, but do you take growth hormone? Is it something that you would you know, that you stay on? Is it something that you cycle in and out? Where does that fit in? Yeah, I've taken it many times uh, over my career of competing. I didn't take it for the first time until about 2017 for the prep I did for North Americans. And um, that was my first experience taking it. And uh, yeah, to be honest, like some things to touch on it, I would say a lot of people have this like okay especially people that aren't in the in- industry like maybe like like uh general pop people whenever they hear about like oh growth hormone it's like this magical thing like you'll just take it and you'll just blow up or like you'll you know what i mean that's not how it works like realistically speaking bang for your buck growth hormone is is like you know it's it's way down the list of things that you want to take right like you know there's a lot of other options to exhaust before you even getting into growth hormone and like you said it's this whole other avenue of stuff you have to learn about and understand before you start taking it too. So it just like complicates things as well. Right. Um, growth hormone. I think, you know, it's great. It definitely works, right? Like I'm, I don't think anyone's going to say that growth hormone doesn't work. I think it works better for some people other, you know, than others. But um, I think the best use for growth hormone is really like in a contest prep or a dieting phase um, because it does help you get considerably leaner. It will help you retain tissue. And then it, it, also helps a ton cosmetically in the way that you look like when you take growth hormone for a long period of time like i took it maybe like eight months for the show that i did and like man even when i was zero carb like flat i looked like round and full you know like it's an it's an amazing thing in the cosmetic uh effects that it has on your body right yeah like i just i just took like uh four units the other day before i did legs and then i'm 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 dieting so completely like just i look like shit i'm in that that you know that you know that phase of the i know i know the phase yeah where where, you're (laughs) yeah go ahead go ahead no you could say it and then i like you're like you've started dieting so like you're you're not uh you're not full anymore you're not blasting full so like you're fat but you're not full and then you're also not lean enough to look good so you're flat but you're fat it's like the worst (laughs) spot to be in there's like there's like four to six weeks where when you first start dieting where you're just like look like shit and then it's like okay now i'm getting lean now i can see the abs and i look a little bit better right so yeah i i know that phase you have to you have to explain that phase to people too (laughs) exactly yeah and i'm I'm always trying to explain that to clients too i'm like there will be a point like six weeks from this moment that you're complaining to me, which is like two weeks into the diet, uh, four to six weeks from this exact point that we're talking, you put it on your calendar, you will turn a corner and you'll wake up one day and be like, I'm lean and I actually look good. But up until then, you're going to look like shit uh, and it's going to be way worse. And it's, it's horrible. That that's why I always tell myself every time I'm done with a bulk, I'm like, I'm never doing this again because I love bulking. I love bulking, but I hate that phase of the diet. I would like, you look fat and small. It's like uh, the worst. (laughs) 
how how are you supposed to post on Instagram a picture of yourself when you're flat and small? I feel like people will be like, wow, this guy went backwards. He looked better <laughs> six months ago. Like this guy's shit obviously doesn't work. <laughs> That's why you don't. That's why you do what I do. And when I get in shape, I do like, you know, two, three, four, five, six photo shoots. And then that's content for like a year, man. Like I don't have to get in shape ever again. I've done like probably like 50 photo shoots, man. I got thousands of photos that no one's ever seen. Right. So that's, that's what you got to do. Yeah. Yeah. That's the, that's the plan for this summer. I'm already talking to a few guys about like photographers in the area and stuff like Absolutely. that. That's definitely something that that needs to, cause I never did a photo shoot before, yeah. but um, yeah. Growth, growth I, hormone. <laughs> yeah. Growth hormone. Right. Yeah. So anyway, it took four IUs before leg day. Uh, I, I just, I really like to just take like a bolus dose pre-workout because yep. that's really when I feel like I, it really makes me stronger during my workouts, especially in a diet. And I look like crazy while I'm working out, which makes me work out even harder and workout performance is really what's going to fuel everything. So all uh, the, my, my philosophy with performance enhancers is like, you only need to use them to fuel your workout performance. Everything else is just cosmetic temporary stuff. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But the muscle is built during the workout. So yeah, exactly. The, the, the training drives muscle growth. And at the end of the day, everything you're doing in terms of you know, uh, dieting and training and using these drugs is to retain and build more muscle because that allows you to get leaner and that just, you know, improves the whole process. So, and yeah, I agree. Um, a bolus dose of growth hormone is definitely a good way to go. And like, this is how I look at it and what I've kind of established over the years. Like if your main goal is fat loss and you want to use it for fat loss, I would do as many small doses as you can throughout the day because, you know, you're getting that uh, fat loss response to it. You're getting that metabolic response to the, to the drug. If you want to use it to gain muscle primarily or like you're saying improve you know your the window of your workout and and it would improve muscle mass too is doing a bolus dose so like doing a big dose like over four i use i think that is too because when you do a bolus dose like that it will have a higher impact on igf and increasing igf in the body right so i think like if you want to get if you want to get really bigger like if you're using growth hormone in an off season even i would say a bolus dose and then if you really like your whole goal is just get as shredded as you can, I would do as many small doses of growth throughout the day. So I would even do like four, uh, four, I, one, I, U shots, right. Instead of doing the four at once. So. Yeah. And the studies uh, corroborate that because after a certain point, you see it fall off in terms of how much fat is being released. Cause what the growth hormone does to release the fat. So you, so your body can burn it off. If you're in a calorie deficit, it's going to burn it off. If you're in a surplus, you're just going to release it. And then it's just going to be stored back in. So there's no point, yeah. but um, past two units, they didn't see any additional benefit to taking any more growth hormone in terms of the fat loss, but in terms of the IGF one, yes. And then uh, I think the sweet spot was somewhere around like 1.2 to 1.5, where it's like the most bang for your buck there. So doing that process more times throughout the day and, but growth hormone also, it has like a half-life of about, I think like four hours or something. So it's still active in your system. And when you take a dose and the last dose is still active, the next dose is, is not as strong. So you kind of like, if you can do it like three times in a day, like 1.5 IU each time, and then also, if you can do like a workout one of those times and cardio two of those times, that would be the uh, best way that I understand to use it for fat loss. But yeah. I don't like using growth hormone for fat loss because I just feel like it's like you're paying so much for it just so you could burn a little bit more fat. I mean, <laughs> yeah. it's like I'd rather diet for another two weeks than spend twelve hundred dollars. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. It's expensive stuff man that's the whole thing it's it's not like it's definitely not the first thing you reach for you know 
Yeah, but I think that, you know, if you have the money, like you're saying, you know, working with executives and stuff like that, I don't think that even on a first cycle or whatever, I, I don't think that two units a day would hurt anybody. No, and to be honest, uh, a lot of those guys, because, you know, like I like I told you before, TRT and uh, homeowner placement, that's getting a lot more mainstream. And any of my clients that are like over 35, you know, I'm like, man, get your blood work done. Like, you know, let's see where your levels are at. If you're low, you should definitely use um, TRT. Like, obviously, you know, prescribe to your doctor and all of that. But usually the people that are doing that as well, they're on like, you know, a, a unit or two of growth hormone a day, usually like two units or something like that prescribed from a doctor too, because it's just, it's such a great thing for like longevity too, right? Skin, hair, nails, all of that, keeping your youthfulness, right? So there's many different reasons to use it. So right now, like if in your, you know, maintaining business phase, do you use growth hormone? I'm not using any right now, but I was considering because you know what, like, like I told you before, I've kind of just had this revelation of like, okay, like I'm not going to try and be like a pro bodybuilder anymore. Like, you know, it's, it's really not worth it. So I'm like, okay, like I can just do the fitness model thing. Like, you know, my, my business partner said to me the other day, he's like, man, you're never going to be a great pro bodybuilder, but you could probably be the best fitness model in the world. You know what I mean? So I kind of like, I've let go of those delusions of like, I want to be huge. I want to be like, you know, 300 and like cut down and be good enough for like, you know, pro bodybuilding, things like that. Um, so that's pretty much telling myself that I've told myself that I'm really not going to use anabolics anymore. Okay. What's up guys. We're back. Just had a little bit of a technical difficulty. So, you know, that's what it is on a, you know, growth hormone and Jace's, uh, you know, transition away from wanting to be a pro. The last thing I want to ask you about is insulin. You know, insulin is something that people talk about so much. Uh, and it's like, looked at as this like, Holy grail. I tried it this year and was just like, what the fuck, dude, this isn't really for me. Like I didn't really see the benefits of it really. Like it kind of made me look like shit. Um, and I didn't use it not properly. So don't go in the comments telling me that. And so what do you think about it? Have you ever tried it? Uh, do you think it's necessary to look like a muscle model? Yeah, I have, uh, I have tried it. Like I said, I've experimented with everything in, uh, in its own respect. Um, I definitely did try it because yeah, you hear about it and you're like, man, insulin, it sounds like it could be this thing that'll take you to the next level. Right. But I, I really don't think so. I think, um, especially to look like me or to look like a muscle model or a men's physique guy, insulin is something that you definitely like don't need to take. Um, to be honest, it's just like, it adds too much variability to things because if you've ever gone hypo in a workout, it ruins your whole workout. Or if you've ever gone hypo at all, it's like the worst experience ever. And it like kills your day and kills your workout. And like, you know, there's all these things about, okay, taking insulin around the workout window and things like that and using carbs. And like, I've tried that and, um, you know, I've used plenty of carbs, plenty to cover like the insulin that I was using. Right. And, um, you know, there were times where like I did go hypo in workouts and it just like ruins your workout. And I was like, man, I'm never doing this again because my workouts, that's what matters. And that's what builds a muscle. And like, that's what you should be focusing on. And anything that's going to take away from that, I'm just like, it doesn't, it doesn't really do it for me. And then also, um, I think a lot of people really just don't need to take insulin either. Like, unless you are someone who is like a, a true ectomorph, a very hard gainer, like a very skinny guy has to eat like, you know, thousands and thousands of calories just to gain weight. And like, you only weigh like 180 or whatever, like maybe that person is a really good candidate to take insulin. Right. But someone who is like a mesomorph or especially an endomorph that gains fat a little bit easier. Like I would definitely recommend not taking insulin for those people. Yeah. Like, and I don't think that it necessarily like makes you gain fat, but it just makes you look fatter 
while you're taking it, which isn't really good if you're somebody who doesn't have low body fat to begin with. It just ruins kind of like, I don't know, it just makes the whole thing like more blurry and like, unless you're trying to bulk up to 300 pounds, and the insulin is really, you needed to be able to shuttle more carbohydrates than you would have otherwise, because your blood sugar is high because you're taking growth hormone and all this stuff. And like, we're not even, you know, me, me and Jason guys who are in that sort of a realm of, of like physique development, don't even really take enough growth hormone to ruin our insulin sensitivity. And we're not really eating enough to have to uh, take that much insulin anyway. So I think it's kind of a waste of time if, if your goal is just like us, you know, slightly enhanced or whatever. So Jace, thank you so much for coming on the podcast, man. It was, it was an absolute journey. And uh, I think that people will gain a lot of, of, of information from this. And I would love to have you on again. I, I tell everybody my goal with the podcast and, you know, since you're a listener, you probably know is I want to bring people together and have joint episodes like the real bodybuilding podcast, like have yeah. multiple people on to be able to discuss topics in depth. So I'm having these episodes now to learn more about the individuals that I like and I'm interested in. And then hopefully down the line, we can do episodes where people can come together and we can talk about specific topics and not have to go into your entire life story for two hours. So uh, yeah. this, I, I would, this is the OG episode. It's all good. We got it out of the way. Yeah. Yeah. So I would love to have you on for that. Is, do you have any uh, flat final statements uh, for people watching? How can people get in touch with you for coaching and uh, where can people follow you? Yeah, man. I just want to say thank you, obviously, for taking the time and having me on and like giving me a platform to tell my story and to obviously, you know, uh, be very real with people and, you know, tell people the honesty and the truth of the situation behind all these things that have gone on over the years. Right. Um, and yeah, if anybody wants to get a hold of me, you can hit me up on Instagram at Jace underscore Stevens, um, TikTok at Jace underscore Stevens. You guys can email me Jace at hammerfitness.com. And then uh, you guys can look if you're interested in any of the uh, male lifestyle coaching, things like that. You can see all of our results, all of our client results and uh, informational posts. We do a lot of posts giving you guys a lot of value, you know, tips and tricks with dieting and lifestyle and even uh, mental health, like we talked about. You can find that at man the F up underscore. That's on Instagram. Awesome, Jace. Thank you so much for coming on. This is episode 21 of the Bodybuilding Lifestyle Podcast. Peace. Peace.